What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And, of course, joining me here on The Boochcast, he, the guy that's somehow still going through this whole AEW experience with me, even though, dear God, I, I do this for the fans. Please know I do this for the fans. This, this is why I put myself through this hell. But anyway, uh, the gentleman's about to join me. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Boochcast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Dude, that's just me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach. Gotcha. Speaky, I'm not that broke. 
book yet. Yes. This is actually a pretty good card. Let's <laughs> pull up the results. Yes. As he pulls up the results, uh, there is an explanation is in order because for this week's episode of AEW, we are again doing a twofold. Uh, we got two episodes of AEW here for you guys. Uh, we're doing uh, last week's episode, then there'll be a break, and then there'll be the episode that took place, um, you know, this week. So we got two of them together here. So uh, we got a very special episode for you guys. The reason for this, ironically, and it's kind of ironic that I'm giving this explanation, seeing as how before we recorded this, we had a similar issue go down. Um, last Monday, I did a massive cleaning of the house. Uh, and by that, I mean the two places that I actually occupy, which is my bedroom and the studio. I cleaned this whole sumbitch out, got everything set up because it was long overdue. And I basically stayed up till four in the morning on Monday. By the time I got done, by the time I got to sleep, I was so fucking exhausted. I only got a couple hours sleep because I had other shit. I had to do that that week as well. And basically, I was basically fading in and out of consciousness throughout all of last week. And Tuesday, I passed out, uh, basically woke up, and in the process, I missed the first hour of NXT, so shout out to Zach for uh, walking me through that experience. So uh, <laughs> He actually did a pretty good job, ladies and gentlemen, so I will give Zach props for that. He walked me through it. And then, then for AEW, I just straight passed the fuck out. I had no strength. I had no energy. I felt like I was going to fucking die. So I basically was unconscious and dead to the world. So that's why there was no AEW last week. That's why we're cramming them both together today. So in the spirit of that, we are going to uh, get it started here. We got AEW Dynamite from April 20th, 2022. Uh, and of course, uh, here we have um, the uh, qualifying matches for the, uh, you know, Owen Hart Foundation tournament took place. We saw in-ring debuts. We saw classic matches. A lot of crazy shit. And of course, the commentators were, as always, legendary Tony Schiavone, the Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the racist Excalibur. And we kicked things off with our first official match of the evening, CM Punk versus Dustin Rhodes. This right here was actually fantastic. It was stellar. This is probably one of the most emotional, physical matches I ever see CM Punk do. Vinny, your thoughts? Overall, I will say this match was everything that wrestling is supposed to be. There was wrestling. There was working. There was psychology. Spots were timed perfectly. For example, when Dustin hit the American Destroyer, he timed it perfectly where he hit CM Punk with a move that caused him to bend over, and he quickly got got in there, got the move, boom, hit it, and was able to get the two count and all of that. So this match was picture perfect. Everything done the right way. That being said, I do have one thing I need to address here, and it's something that's been bothering me me pretty much since the start of AEW. So it has nothing to do with this match per se. It's an overall feeling I'm having. I'm pissed off that Dustin keeps jobbing. It really bothers me to my heart and core as a wrestling fan to see Dustin Rhodes constantly jobbing. Every time he's in a match he's doing the job for the other person. He rarely wins a match and when he does it's not even special because he's rarely on TV and this man at his age can still physically go in a ring and yet there are no plans to put any championship belts on him. Not a tag team title, not the TNT title, not even the world title, which I'll say this, Dustin should be a world champion. I mean, the whole purpose of him coming to AEW was to prove how great he is, was to get away from the gold dust gimmick, which even though a lot of people think the gold dust gimmick was goofy and all that, people had negative things to say about it, the bottom line is this, he was more
more successful as Goldust than he has been as the natural Dustin Rhodes. Fact. At least as Goldust, WWE had the common courtesy to give him the Intercontinental title. He was at least a tag team champion. He got to have legendary matches with legendary people. And he let the Goldust gimmick got to be serious. It was funny, sexualized. There was a lot of different ways that the Goldust character was used. It's like, if all Dustin was going to do is just job to people and not get title shots, why even come to AEW at all? You might as well put on the Goldust gimmick and stay in WWE. You'll probably make more money and at least there'll be a logical reason to treat you like this. Dustin deserves better. Now, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from the CM Punk match. It was great. And I understand CM Punk getting the win. That made sense in this regard because he's going up against Adam Page for the world title. So naturally, CM Punk is going to win this match. But in general, they are not giving Dustin the proper treatment. And they were doing that before Cody left. And, you know, if I'm Dustin, if they're not going to treat you better soon, you might as well get the gold makeup and go back to WWE because you're pretty much doing the same shit just on TNT with a more serious gimmick. That's true. Yeah, it's like, what's the point? What's the point in reinventing yourself if you're just doing the same shit? Like, for goddamn ridiculous. But anyway, after the match, Punk and Rhodes embrace. They do the clear sign of respect, which was great. Shaking hands. Rhodes raises Punk's hand. Once Punk starts walking up the ramp, the world champion Hangman Page comes out, stares him down, and now we're pretty much getting set up to where I think a double or nothing, we're going to see this match, and Punk's going to win the world title. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, I said, Vinny, Vinny's watching this right now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dude, he'd be a very happy, happy booch, which is very hard to come across every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, I get happy every now and then, but overall, they do a lot of stupid shit. That part I agree on. Yes, so the show then plays a clip from earlier today with Smart Mark Sterling, who tells Wardlow he'll be escorted to escorted to his closet, where he arrives every week. So this, he's basically going to be in a dressing room that's basically his closet. And Oh, uh, yeah. Ugh. I don't know why they did this. And he has to wear handcuffs whenever he's in the building, wherever he goes. And so he delivers a message from MJF, he says, eat pig. Wardlow says, oink, oink, and walks with the security. <laughs> I keep on doing this, and eventually this is not going to work, and he's going to get out of, the, of, the, of his little room, and he's going to beat all the security guard asses, and eventually at double or nothing, I hope Wardlow shuts Maxwell the fuck up. Well, yeah, we know that moment's coming, but right now they got him following all these rules and stuff because they're trying to make the, the whole goal is to protect Wardlow from MJF or yeah, protect MJF from Wardlow. Sorry. So that's the whole goal. So they're trying to do all this stuff and Wardlow has to listen because he's still under contract to MJF. He doesn't have an AEW contract. So. That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, we all know, but yeah, I understand. Well, something needs to be reminded in case people are wondering why they're going like this. It's because MJF is calling the shots of Wardlow. So it's either you do that, either you do what he says or you sit at home. Either way, he gets paid, but he wants to get in the ring. And most importantly, he wants MJF. So after that, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have the Blackpool Combat Club versus Dante Martin, Lee Moriarty, and Brock Anderson. I thought this was actually pretty good. Pretty good. It was a, it was a good, it was a good back and forth match. And uh, Wheeler Yuta, he's really coming to his prime since he left the comedy group. Denny? This was basically a fucking beatdown. That, I, I, I mean, obviously it was a match because it went on for a long time, but for the most part, 
they just got the shit beat out of them. And yep, that is true. And I still think it's weird that the Blackpool Combat Club doesn't come out to the ring together. I find that very odd. I hate it. Yeah, I do too. I, I don't like it. And as much as I enjoy hearing William Regal's voice, I don't like the manager to be at the broadcast table. I want the manager at ringside. That's what I want. Yeah. The, yeah. the only time the manager should be at the broadcast table is if the manager is banned from ringside. Because technically the broadcast table is nowhere near the ring. Nope. So that would be fine. But I, I prefer the manager to be at ringside. Whether you're cheering yeah. on or helping them cheat if you're a heel. Yeah, true. But the way this faction is, they're not really heels. What do you call them? I don't know what the fuck they are. I mean... <laughs> well, think about this. Is it, is it kind of like the anti-hero? Yes. They're very much in the middle, which a lot of AEW wrestlers tend to ride the middle too much, which I think is a major problem. Like, MJ has one of the few heels that actually acts like a heel. He's a clear-cut bad guy. There's no there's no debate about whether or not he's a, he's a bad guy. You know. And there's certain people that are clear-cut baby faces. Black yeah. Combat Clubs is kind of like all over the goddamn place. That is very, very, very true, sir. Very, very true, sir. Anything else you want to say? Um, Not really. Just that this was a beatdown. Uh, they got a little bit of offense in, but overall, this is just them fucking shit up, which, which isn't bad. So on that note, we cut to the backstage area. We have Adam Cole, the dumb fucks, and Red Dragon, who are trying to regroup. O'Reilly says they need to turn things around, and he vowed to do his part by qualifying for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. Cole says they're unstoppable together, and he tells the dumb fucks that their old friends are gone, but he and Red Dragon are still here. He uses an open challenge for the Undisputed Elite 10-man tag team bout next week. In doing so, he hopes to get them all back on the same page. Uh, I'm, I saw this. Vinny, do you ever see that the dumb fucks don't want nothing to do with Adam Cole right now? Have you realized that recently? Um, yeah. I also noticed that they don't necessarily hate Adam Cole. They hate Red Dragon. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So, ultimately, you know, the plan here is, you know, he's saying all their friends are gone. I've got a really strange feeling that this is going to turn into an elite versus undisputed war. Because they're called the undisputed elite because the elite is in there. But I have a feeling that once the Bucks leave, they're going to have to change themselves to something else. Like the undisputed whatever the fuck. I don't know. They can't say undisputed era because <laughs> they already earned that. I don't know. Maybe they team up with that. Maybe they team up with somebody else. and Maybe they team up with the Bullet Club and call themselves the undisputed club or whatever. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. But either way, yeah. this is this is shaping up to be an interesting rivalry. And obviously, they're trying to regroup everything. But uh, I still care. I, really don't. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I, I don't. Like, Adam Cole, ever since he joined up with the elites, has not has rarely been interesting. Red Dragon, I enjoy. And the Bucks, we already know how I feel about them. So, uh, of course. There's nothing really special here. So, next, nope. we, next we cut to a video promo. Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal discuss Satnam Singh's destructive debut and their showdown at Battle of the Belts 2. Sanjay Dutt says Singh will carry on his greatness as an Indian wrestler. Singh says Joe's time is coming. This part I did not see there, Vinny. I'm sorry. I, just, I guess I didn't miss this bad. I went, went to the bathroom, I guess, and I just missed it. But you go ahead on this one. Sorry about that. This wasn't special. I mean, it was Joe being Joe. He he was the star here. Jay Lethal tried to make this interesting. Sanjay Dutt tried to make this interesting. Nobody cares about this Satnam Singh guy. He's just another big, tall Indian wrestler. And until he can get in the ring and show that he's not the great Kali, no one's gonna give a shit. No one cared when he debuted. Nobody cares now. Okay? I don't need some, I don't need another, last thing I need to see in wrestling is somebody else who can't speak English. It irritates the fuck out of me. And, and while we're on that subject, and here we go. Tony Khan comes out to make his huge announcement. The president of New Japan Pro Wrestling comes to the stage and shakes Khan's hand. Adam Cole and Rosen says he's the one who should
Fujin make the announcement. Cole announces that he'll be facing Tomohiro Ishii in an Owen Hart Foundation tournament qualifying match this week on AEW Rampage. He says at the United Center on June 26th, AEW and New Japan will team up to present the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Jay White then comes to the stage and says he single-handedly sold out the last the show the last time New Japan teamed up for a show like this. He says this isn't about New Japan Pro Wrestling or AEW. It's about the undisputed elite and the Bullet Club. Um, I don't know. Okay, now they have to deal with this Japanese bullshit, Japanese strong style bullshit, which, oh God, who gives a shit? And I don't even know who Jay White is, so Vinny, go ahead. I don't know much about Jay White either, but if he's from New Japan, he's friends with Adam Cole, chances are he does a lot of strong style no-sell crap. Because there's good Bullet Club and there's bad Bullet Club. But the thing is, I don't, here's the thing that bothers me. First of all, I'm not a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I tried to watch it. I really tried. It's garbage to me. I don't like it, okay? I hear you. I don't like strong style wrestling. I don't like strong style wrestling because nobody sells, nothing, no moves don't matter, and they've tried to bring this style into American wrestling, and it doesn't translate over here. This is a show for marks. That's all this is. And what really bothers me is they keep calling it the forbidden door. Okay, here's my problem with this. AEW keeps talking about the forbidden door, forbidden door. I've heard Elvis, when he's on this show, talk about the forbidden door. Here's the thing. The whole purpose of a forbidden door is that it's supposed to be forbidden. Something's not forbidden if you're welcomed into it. (laughs) And AEW has made it clear from the very beginning that they are willing to work with other promotions. That the talent has been free to work for any promotion but WWE. Tony Khan has made his wrestling business open to anybody and everybody. Therefore, they have no forbidden door. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The only time we saw a wrestler walk through a forbidden door was Mickie James showing up at the Royal Rumble. When she came in as an Impact wrestler holding the Impact Women's Championship, which technically is a knockout championship, but they acknowledge it as the Women's Championship on WWE. That's a forbidden door. Why? Because WWE doesn't work with other promotions. Vince McMahon Jr. made that clear from the beginning, that he wanted a monopoly in wrestling. And up until three years ago, he had one. From 2001 to 2019, he had a monopoly on the business. He didn't want to work with other people. He didn't cross promote. So on rare moments where it happened, that's a forbidden door. Mickey James was a forbidden door. Jushin Thunder Liger going to NXT TakeOver to face Tyler Breeze when he was still working for New Japan. That's a forbidden door. This is not a forbidden door because nothing in AEW is forbidden. Nothing. Like, nothing is forbidden. Tony Khan is like the cool dad that lets the kids do whatever they want. It's like, it's like you can't tell people to obey the house rules if there are no rules. If I'm wrong, please tell me. You're not wrong. I don't think this was a good idea for Tony Khan to sign this, these guys. Bunch of Ring of Honor, now they got New Japan. Like, great. What's next? Well, the difference is Tony Khan Khan doesn't own New Japan. They're just doing a joint promotion show. He owns Ring of no. Honor. That's a difference. That's not a cross promotion. That's he's the boss and owner of AEW and Ring of Honor. He doesn't own New Japan. Just, just to clarify, no. he does not own oh, New okay. Japan. This was hit. That's why the president of New Japan came out there and shook Tony Khan's hand because they struck a deal together to put this pay per view on. So yeah. That being said, we cut to the backstage area with the TBS champion Jade Cargill, who talks about her title match this week. Uh, Kira Hogan and Red Velvet will be in the back. Section. He then tells her opponent, Marina Schaefer, that she'll see her on Friday. Um, 
No, I want to say, I would, uh, no, 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 I want to say this once again, Jay Carhill, I hate you, you need to pack up your bags and you need to leave and just go away. If I talk about this anymore, I'm going to go off like Gator, Vinny, go ahead. You deal with this E-man, I don't know what she is. Is that a dude or a woman? It's a woman. Are you sure? Positive. I don't know, man. Maybe she needs to go back and go do something more worthwhile than hold a paperweight champion. Ugh. I mean, she does, I mean, she does have a belt that doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't um, mean jack shit. Well, here's the thing. Because, like I said, this happened last week. I'll give the spoiler. She beats Marina Schaefer and gets her 30th win. Yay. What? This is what pisses me off. If you're going to give Jay Cargill a 30th win, why not just grab another random bitch and throw her in there? Mm. Marina Schaefer is a badass. She's a former UFC women's fighter. She's part of the four horsewomen of the UFC. And she was someone that could have, after Jay Cargill got her 30th win, Marina could end the streak and get the title. Now you just added her to Jay Cargill's list. A list that I might add, she doesn't deserve to have. She doesn't. No, she doesn't. Even though... People, she, sorry. She doesn't go in against anybody, man. Nobody like, okay, who the hell is this person? Except for her previous part about, okay, you're going against workers and they're people who make to make a decent paycheck, but I don't like her. <laughs> yes, you've made that clear you don't like her. So anyway, I'm just saying, they built her up. Now you got no credible challengers left unless uh, Britt Baker decides to go for the belt. And then they put the belt on her and let her make that belt prestigious because to put the put her back in the women's title picture ain't gonna help matters. I would, I in fact, I would have Britt Baker beat Jay Cargill's streak. Let that her run with the TBS awesome. title. Let her make it relevant. Put it on on a pedestal and then work from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just tired of Jay Cargill. So moving on. Yes, we cut to uh, MJF who cuts a pre-match promo where he bashes Pittsburgh sports and calls Wardlow a nobody. He says that Wardlow will enter without any music and he does he's still handcuffed until he gets to the ring they unlock the cuffs he, and we have our next match of the evening Wardlow versus the butcher you call this a match do you mm, yes and no but I thought Wardlow finally got some uh, reputation whatever retribution you know I mean. retribution yeah they did the bank can't talk but I thought yeah two big guys going out there was punches and kicks it was good it was no absolutely bullshit I enjoyed it somewhat and then four minutes of 14 seconds later, Wardslow is standing tall. I thought it could go on just a tad bit longer because I like the butcher. Um, scary ass dude. I disagree. I think that when, when a match like this, it doesn't need to go long. Not every match Fair needs because that's the problem with AEW. They try to make every match a 20, 25, 30 minute barn burner and not every match needs to be that. You gotta save that shit for your pay-per-view. That's the, pro that's the biggest issue I have with AEW is they never save anything for their pay-per-views. They give it all the way on TV so by the time you get to the pay-per-view, there's nothing new to see. So the pay-per-views aren't as exciting. That's why you gotta have on TV the short matches. That's why on TV you have DQs and count-outs and controversial finishes. So when the pay-per-view gets there, there's no excuses. We're gonna have a winner. One way or a goddamn another. So I prefer, I liked this. I like the way it went. I think Wardlow getting the win made sense after the match. Security cards cuff Wardlow again. They escort him away and MJF's pissed off because Wardlow got the win. And Again, the reason I'm liking this is because the more they do this, the longer they can drag this out until we get to Double or Nothing, which is at the end of May. Because right now, currently the time that we're recording this, it's April 26th. May 29th is Double or Nothing. So we got to keep this going for a little while till eventually MJF's had enough and they booked the match. And then the match should be Wardlow wins. He gets out of the contract. Wardlow beats MJF 
and is released from the contract. A double or nothing. And then Wardlow gets an AEW contract, and I think on Dynamite should be when he signs it. That part I agree on. Okay, All moving right. on. Yes. We cut to the backstage area where Eddie Kingston previews his match with Daniel Garcia on AEW Rampage. He tells Chris Jericho to watch closely. Everything he does to Garcia, he's going to do to Jericho too. Kingston says by the time he's done, Garcia's family won't recognize him. <laughs> Eddie Kingston, once again, doing his brilliance. I thought this was good. He's just, uh, Eddie Kingston wanted to get his hand on Chris Jericho again. Oh, he definitely wants Jericho. We're getting uh, that yeah, rematch down the road. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was good. I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, so, yeah. See what happens. Yeah, and the goal is everyone's banned from ringside, so this is supposed to be them alone, so Eddie Kingston should make mincemeat out of Garcia. Pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Okay, then, moving on. Yes. Next, we got a qualifying match for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. Kyle O'Reilly versus Jungle Boy. Uh, I, I did enjoy this uh, for a while. It, there were some spots because with Jungle Boy, but he makes it work uh, uh, work good. And uh, there was counters. Try to hit the running knee. And he sends uh, Kyle to the uh, outside. But otherwise than that, I did enjoy this match. Vinny? Yeah, it was decent. I don't think it was that. I didn't think it was anything special. I mean, Jungle oh, Boy did an okay job. Kyle O'Reilly was great. But it's very, there's a, there was a lot of spots in this match. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a spot fest, but it was close. Pretty damn close. And yeah, then it was pretty close. And then, of course, Kyle O'Reilly gets the win, as he should. What I thought was weird was that Jungle Boy is, like, sitting there talking about how he failed and he's hating on himself and everything. And Christian comes out kind of stares at him. I don't know why, but I kind of felt like Christian could have turned heel right there. True. I think it's about to happen. I hated the fact that he, as soon as he gave him a hug and made him walk up the ramp, I was like, what a waste. That would have been a great time <laughs> for him to, like, you know, have him just sit there and Christian kind of, you know, you know, kind of nodding his head and everything, and then he just grabs him by the back of the head, throws him into the steel steps, and then, like, just beats yep. the hell out of Jungle Boy. Then maybe he, like, grabs a steel chair, and Luchasaurus runs in to make the save. Christian Kate, Christian cracks him with the with the chair, and then basically gets the hell out of there, and then he cuts a heel promo about how he's done palling around with Jurassic Express. Because I feel like this is holding Christian back. Yeah, I think so, too. The, yeah, I think it's time for Christian to become heel and go do something else. I mean, he's not... There's nothing special going on with this at all. Like, I like Jurassic Express. They don't need Christian. They really don't. Like, there, there's no logical reason to keep him with Jurassic Express. It does nothing for them. It does nothing for Christian, except limit his in-ring wrestling, which, you know, the whole purpose of you coming to AEW was so you could wrestle. And again, you're not fucking wrestling. If you're just going to walk out there and be a manager or a freaking bodyguard or something, again, go to WWE. Go join up with Edge and Damian Priest and whatever the fuck they're doing. Because there's no fucking point in coming to, and bringing stars into AEW if you're not going to treat them like stars. And you're making them sit in the background to push about your outlaw mud show indie guys that nobody except your core Mark fan base knows about. That's why there's no growth with this company. You have stars, you have legends. But you don't only have legends, you have legends who physically can still go in the ring. I can understand if they couldn't go in the ring. Because there's some legends they have there, like Jake Roberts and Tully Blanchard and a few other people, who their in-ring days are definitely over. It's a given. They Or even on Anderson, for that matter. Those three aren't wrestling again. Their in-ring days are over. Fact. And I'm not hating on them. I'm just telling the truth. They are in the spots they're in because they can't physically go anymore. But you got your Christians, your Matt Hardys, your Stings, your Billy Guns, who can still physically go regardless of their fucking age. How are none of these guys your world champions? Because by making them your world champions, here's what it does. It makes your title mean something. Because right now, 
it doesn't. Your only stars that have held those belts, and I'm talking real fucking stars, are Jericho and Moxley. Kenny was a star in Japan. Nobody in America gives a shit who he is, again, except for the core Mark fan base. But there are a lot of real wrestling fans who don't give a single fuck about Kenny. And Adam Page, I love Adam Page. But they have not booked him properly since he's won this world title. He has done nothing with it. And creative has not allowed him to do anything with it. CM Punk's about to win it. That's another star getting the belt. But you have legends who can make your title mean something. Utilize them. Because here's the best part. Once they have those belts, find a guy like an MJF or a Jungle Boy or a Darby Allen or or some or any of those guys. Keith Lee's, Swerve Strickland's. Grab those guys. Have them beat your legends and win the belt from them. Because that will mean something. Like you were world champion. Okay, who'd you beat to win the world title? Kenny Omega? Eh. Okay, big deal, whatever. All right, not that impressive. Like, oh, dude, I got this world title. I just became the world champion. Who'd you beat? Sting. Holy shit. Fucking Sting? See the difference? Yeah, there's a huge difference. You got more bragging rights, especially now because Sting hasn't lost really any matches since coming back. So unless your name is Triple H or Seth Rollins, you don't have a victory over Sting in recent memory. No, you have not. All right, then. Moving on? Yes. So backstage, MGF says the butcher didn't get the job done, but there's plenty of money where that came from. He says a snake can take anybody down because all it takes is one bite. He turns to Jake Roberts and hands him an envelope full of money. Roberts starts hyping up the match, but Lance Archer shows up and says he just wants to fight Wardlow. That's going to be good. That right there. I saw this was good. MGF being a sneaky little shit. Here, here's a bunch of money. Go beat the crap out of him. I was like, yeah, well, there you go. Well, hey, look, somebody else could probably do a mafia person. Maybe a tad bit better. But I thought this right here was actually really good. So next week, we're going to see Lance Archer going against uh, Wardlow. Yeah, and Jake Roberts was amazing with his promo. I loved it. You know, he's like, because he looked at the money, he goes, this is what it's all about right here. All the people that are interested in the in the gold and the jewelry and everything, that's just a bunch That's just a bunch of kids chasing women. The money's what it's all about. I love that part of the promo. Yes, that's true. Because the truth is, that is what wrestlers care about. I don't give a fuck what you say. If there's one thing they care about more than the belt, it's the wallet. That's why a lot of guys, even though they knew they weren't going to win the world title, they were happy to work with the champion because they still made main event money because the win loss didn't affect your didn't affect your uh didn't affect your money you still got paid that's true like like when jake roberts was originally going to get his world title shot or get or get his run with ultimate warrior all he kept (laughs) he was excited because he knew he was going to be making thousands and thousands of dollars every time he walked through the curtain that's what he was excited about he he probably wasn't going to win the title he didn't care he just knew i'm gonna make so much fucking money and that's why he was pissed when ultimate warrior got fired before that run even started. Pretty much, pretty much. All right, then, moving on. Yes, we move on to our next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. want to call it that. Uh, we got Hook versus Anthony Henry. Squash. Yes. Big time squash. Oh, yeah. And a minute and 21 seconds later. <laughs> yeah, it was back and forth, and then uh, Don Hudson comes into the ring, says he's done cursing Hook, and wants to fight him before before Hook does bush past him and says, okay, I was like, uh, Don Hudson, Russell? Then it go ahead. I'm not gonna lie. Dan Housen makes me laugh. I love Dan Housen. I've met him in person. He's a great guy. I, I love his whole uh, gimmick. He's like, he's like, yes, yeah, Dan Housen here. He's like, there's there's a, literally a video where he was in the ring with the Blackpool Combat Club, and he told William Regal, I, I like your suit, and I, I think your shoes are great. Now you will give Dan Housen your suit and your shoes, or you're cursed. And Regal just looks at him like, the fuck is wrong with you? And then he does that thing with his hands where he pulls back, and that means he's cursing you. Mm-hmm. So he does the curse, and then William Regal starts 
starts walking away, and then all of a sudden he starts like stumbling and he's moving around. He does the movement like he's gonna have a heart attack, but he's not having a heart attack. If that makes sense. Yeah. So he's doing. He's not doing. He he's not actually having a heart attack, but he's doing the movement. He's leaning against the ropes and he's yelling at me now. He goes and he's yelling at him like, "Uncurse me, you swine!" Uncurse me, you swine! Like like yelling at him and stuff. Now keep in mind, none of this happened on TV. This is all off the air. It's just somebody happened to make a videotape of it and put it on the internet. This is like an off the air kind of fun thing. That's why, even though some people shit on it, I didn't because it was off the air. It was fun for the crowd. And then they're like, so he says, so he says, "Fine, fine, you're uncursed." And then fine, and then Regal fine. and then Regal just collects himself and walks out of the ring. It's fucking hilarious. So here's the thing, though. I've seen one match with Danhausen. He's a decent worker. So what I need to know is if they have a match, is it going to be? I, I'm hoping to see like a Wendy Chu situation where yeah, he has a goofy gimmick, but he can fucking work. So as long as they have a match and Danhausen can work, that's great. But if he's just a goofy comedy guy, Hook needs to put him away fast. So it either needs to be a squash or it needs to be a decent match. But either way, Hook needs to go over. Yes, he does, and he's going to anyway. So hopefully, hopefully it's not too much of a squash, but hopefully it's a decent match. So moving on. All right, we go to the backstage here where Frankie Kazarian gets interrupted by Scorpio Sky, who tells his former tag team partner none of his success would be possible without him. Sky asks Kazarian to wait to challenge for the TNT Championship because he wants to he wants to do it himself and get his rematch. He said once he wins the gold, he'll give Kazarian the first shot. Kazarian says he'll always have Sky's back, and he walks off. Uh, I thought this was a good, decent promo, at least. At least Kazarian and Scorpio Sides are still on good terms, and Scorpio Side, first person I'll be going against is you if I ever win it back. Otherwise, I thought this was a pretty good promo. Oh, very well done. And it's a sign of a Scorpio Sky doing a babyface turn, because we're about to witness a double turn in a few minutes. And uh, So we cut to a video package that recaps Thunder Rosa's win over Nyla Rose at AEW Battle of the Belts 2. She vows to keep proving that she's one of the best in the world. With one defense behind her, she says it's time to go double or nothing. Uh, once again, promo of Thunder Rosa. I enjoyed it. I did not see that match between, between her and Nyla Rose. Vinny, did you? No. So, neither did I, because I don't like Nyla Rose. So neither I'm, do I. Uh, not- so I'm like, yeah, you still have the belt. That's all that matters. So moving on. Exactly. You the type of pounding your girlfriend dreams about. So um, but yeah. So anyway, we cut to hold on. But yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Nyla Rose either. And um, although I have heard um, she says something about it's time to go double or nothing. So I'm trying to think. Is does that mean she wants her next challenge a double or nothing, or does that mean she's facing Nyla Rose again and it'll be a double or nothing with different stakes? They didn't really clarify that. Uh, well, only time can tell. We can only see when that happens. So hope if it's, hopefully it's not against Nyla Rose, somebody else different. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh... we cut to the uh. <laughs> We cut to the next segment. We got the TNT champion, Sammy Guevara, alongside Ty Conti, who's in the ring. He kisses Conti and says he loves her. Blah. Guevara mm. says he loves the fans and he'll give them his everything. Plenty of fans boo him and he wonders why. He asks if it's because his girlfriend is hotter than theirs. If that's the case, they can be mad. Scorpio Sky alongside Ethan Page and Dan Lambert interrupts and says Guevara turns his back on the fans. Ethan Page says nobody in the building came to see Guevara. Lambert chimes in by telling Guevara that youth is wasted on him and called him a high school douchebag. He tells Guevara to give Sky his rematch, and if he doesn't, he'll have men of the year give Guevara the kind of pounding your girlfriend can only dream about. They agree agree to the title match in exchange for the mixed tag team bout between Paige Van Zandt and Scorpio Sky against Guevara and Conti. They agree, and then the title bout is now going to be a ladder match. Uh, Did you care for this at all? At first, no. (laughs) But once Dan Lambert opened his mouth, I enjoyed every second of this. Because here's a double turn we just witnessed. 
because Sammy's now a heel and men of the year, the American top team, are now the baby faces. And they're very good at being baby faces. And of course, Sammy G knows that nobody likes him. Nobody can stand him. Nobody can stand Ty Conti. And Agoyz is like, oh, my girlfriend is hotter than yours. It's like, no, it's because you pretty much cheat on your fiance with that with your girlfriend. So uh, it's kind of like, fuck you. There's a lot of reasons why people hate Sammy Guevara. I hate him because he's a spot monkey with no in-ring skill. That's hey, why I don't like him. At least seeing a Edge or Matt Hardy situation. Yeah. Well, the pro- and of course, the match is going to be a ladder match because that way <laughs> Sammy G can do his stupid spots. A Mexican jumping bean. Yeah. It's like the whole, it's just an excuse to do a bunch of stupid spots. Nobody gives a shit about, but he keeps doing them because he doesn't care about wrestling. He just cares about doing acrobatics. Like, well, go join the circus, you fucking carny. Very true. Bye-bye. She fly. Don't bother me. Anyways, yes. moving on. Yes. So we got the House of Black cuts a menacing promo. Malachi Black says the house is owed a debt and next week the sun dies. I I, I know you, you don't like Buddy Murphy or in it, but this House of Black thing, it's working in here soon. I think they need to have the uh, the main belts on them. The world title on, on uh, Aleister Black and the tag teams on the other two. But otherwise than that, I love the dark presence. It's like you walk, you're about to walk into a horror film and you're about to turn your body into a bunch of pieces. But otherwise that, I thought the House of Black promo was great. I liked it. thought it was dumb, made no fucking sense and I don't even know who they're going after. Me either. We'll see. We shall see. So, yeah. moving on. Yeah, because this was, I, I this made no freaking sense. I'm like, okay, I don't give a shit about any of this. But anyway, <laughs> moving on in the next match, we have the Owen Hart Foundation Women's Tournament Qualifying Match. Dr. Britt Baker versus Danielle Camella. I thought it was actually pretty, pretty freaking good. And, uh, of course, Dr. Br- uh, Dr. Britt Baker, D&D, is in her hometown of uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, and they then she's coming out there, and those two people that came out with her, I guess they're football players or whatever they are. But otherwise, not. I thought this was stellar match. Well, and yeah, they were they were they were played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I figured that. Yeah, so the fans love that because yeah, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, our football team. It doesn't really win anything. So anyway, and they used to be. They're still one of the most dominant footballs football teams in the NFL. Yeah, but yeah. otherwise, not. I thought this match was actually really, really, really good. I enjoyed it. Doctor Bear Breaker, I like. I didn't at first. At least she doesn't have a title on her right now, and that's what's important. And Adam Cole, you lucky, lucky son of a bitch. Yeah, very good match. Uh, I thought both women did fantastic in it, and it was one of the few women's matches that's actually enjoyable to watch in AEW. So I, <laughs> that, I know, right? Yeah. Oh, their women's division has never been their their strong suit in AEW, and even hardcore AEW fans know that. Their women's division is not great. In fact, even after the match, Britt Baker says the women's division is a mess without her. She makes fun of Ruby Silver being a runaway and says Jamie Hayter will make her want to leave this company too. He then says that Jay Cargill called Pittsburgh ugly. Baker says she's the baddest bitch on the block and the future Owens Hart Foundation tournament winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this right here. I think like I said, we're going to see a Dr. Britt Baker bench Jay Cargill and I hope Britt Baker beats the shit out of her. Oh yeah, we're going to see her with the TBS title. That's what I would do with her next because Britt Baker's already done a lot of good with the women's title. Now she needs to elevate the TBS title. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. 100% agree with you, sir. So, moving on? Yeah. So, we see a short video package recapping Serena D's feud with Akaru Shida, and they're going to face off in a Philly street fight next week. Uh, do you even care? Honestly, no. Me neither. Okay, moving on. Yes. We're now moving on to the main event of the evening. In a coffin match, we have Darby Allen versus Andrade El Idiot. Um, did you like this at all? Because I thought it was too much of a spot fest. I thought this was a dumbass match. I figured. <laughs> and I'll tell you why it was a dumbass match. Not just because it was a spot fest, but because... 
because here's the thing. It's a no disqualification match, which means not only is there, and you can say this with me, Zach, lazy booking. Lazy booking. Not only that, but on top of that, everybody's fighting all over the place. It felt like a tornado tag match because you got Darby Allen coming out, then the entire group comes out. You got the Butcher, you got the Baker, you got the Blade, sorry. You've got the Baker. Yeah, the Butcher, the Baker, the Candlestick Maker. That's what most people call him on the internet. Um, (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah, you get the Butcher, the Blade, private parties out there. Sting was sitting in the crowd wearing a fucking Sting mask. The only highlight I saw was Sting diving off the balcony onto everybody because he's suddenly becoming the modern version of New Jack. Because mm. that used to be New Jack's gimmick was diving off the balconies. Sure. And at his age, he needs to be careful, but I am enjoying this. Just oh, yeah, do it every once in a while, man. Not all the time. Yeah, you gotta save it for occasions that matter, and I don't think this was one of them. But No, it wasn't at all. And then, uh, you know, just, it was just, that was a fun spot, but other than that, it was just spots, suplexes, everything else, until finally Darby Allen slams, Ho- slams Jose onto the tag and then slams the tax studded lid over Andrade for the win and then he basically just closes the lid lays on top of it referings the bell matches over boring spot fest too many people got involved and I was like Ning. it was just it was disorganized it was disorganized and it did nothing to really is this really the end is this the end of the feud or are they gonna keep going with this shit you would think a match like this would be the end but it's probably not this is goddamn ridiculous <laughs> it's Darby Allen doing Darby Allen shit because he can't do anything else. Like he showed in the match with CM Punk that he can wrestle, but apparently that's not what he wants to do on the regular. He'd rather do this stupid shit. I risk guess putting so. himself in the hospital. Yep, and up in a fucking wheelchair. Yeah. But otherwise than that, I thought this was okay tonight. Yeah, overall well, the card was decent, but, you know, but there's a lot of also a lot of segments that were garbage. So That is very, very true, sir. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Can we go on something else here, please? Yeah. Alright, so that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's, uh, we'll wrap up uh, last week's episode of A AEW. Uh, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, we will have AEW from April 27th here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. We shall return right after this. Check out your dad with the swag on the floor. Mama going brag when I walk in the door. Y'all ain't never seen a gorilla in the mist walk the line so fine with a blindfold. Keep in mind, though, hot dad riding in on a rhino. Got the roll on the rap with the dad vibes. Now everybody bounce with the franchise. Come on. Can't live with him. Can't live without him. New kid back on the block with a rip. Dad got the sag in the back with a drip. Come and get a sip.
and welcome back. Welcome back. To the Boochcast. Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Dad Vibes, which is one of the new songs off the new album uh, from one, my favorite band, one of the greatest bands on the planet, uh, the one and only Limp Biscuit. And uh, <laughs> this is from their album that came out last year. Uh, and I, I, here's the funny part. The album's actually called, and I swear to God, this is the title, Still Sucks. <laughs> That's the actual name of their album that came out last year. And I think it's because and this is the thing about Fred Durst I've always found interesting is that he's well aware of the fact that they're hated by so many people. Like, they pretty much have accepted the fact that, all right, people tend to not like us very much. So we're just going to have fun with it. But they still have a good fan base. They still tour. I'm still waiting for them to fucking come to Georgia, you know, or the plate when they even come even remotely close to this area, I'm always having to end up doing something else. I'm always busy. But like I said, on my bucket list, I want to see Limp Bizkit in concert. Well, dude, what did I ever tell you? Just if I'll, I'll keep an eye out for them as long as there's a band I want to go see with them. But just imagine if Corn and Limp Bizkit comes to town. That'd be fucking perfect. Oh, that'd be a combo. Hell yeah. I would love that. I like because I like a couple songs from Corn, so I can sit through them. Um, um, okay. Even though I'm supposed to get objection, I saw Corn two times in a row. There, guys. Hello, it's the Broke Soldiers X Scott, and there's a song called Adidas All Day. I think about sex. Okay, there. I'm rocking down. Doug, that was something caught my eye. Benny, guess what the fuck I saw at a Corn concert at 20 years old? What did you say? Two people going at it. I shit you not. Damn. She was uh, she was taking it from behind. He was just rocking out. And I was with a buddy of mine. He was, just, he was tall like Frank. And I had to grab his face. And just was like, look. I'm like, at a corn concert, there was a dude you could pay 15 bucks and see if he can kick a soccer ball into his nuts. Okay. Um, uh, make your paper, boo-boo. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. But as far as, um, but I'm just saying, if there are girls just giving it up at corn concerts... I need to go to a fucking corn concert. Well, before you fucking go, you gotta know some of those songs. Well, I, I know a couple of them. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not, really? I, I don't listen religiously to them, but there's been a couple songs that have come on the radio that I've listened to that I like. And here, and the whole, and by the way, I'm not even going to listen to them. I'm going to fuck the chicks in the crowd, man. Like, I'm just, this is more about getting pussy than listening to them sing. Or just get pussy afterwards. Well, I could do that too. I, I, either way, during the show, before the show, after the show, as long as there's pussy, I don't care. Well, well, I'm going to go off topic for one. Know what's the stranger being I saw? What? You seen Clown Posse? Oh, were they any good live? They are fantastic live. Yeah, I've always They're wanted. Fantastic. I mean, I like a couple. Again, I like a couple of songs from them, so I would probably go see them live too. A lot of people, you give me this. A lot of people give me shit. They say the. Are you trying to say they're better than M? I was like, yeah, no, 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 they're not. But here's the thing: why I like them, or used to, I don't know what happened. But is this? And we'll go on. That's what we're supposed to do. This is what happens. Is this? ICP's fan base is huge. They are dedicated, and yes, a lot of jugglers and jugglers are not that nice as the people, but they put on a hell of a show, and I just respect them and shit out of what they say. I just admire it because some of their songs crack me up. Some of them are good. I know, um, I know, I know Cornette's not a fan of the Insane Clown Posse because, uh, oh. Of course not. Because he doesn't like the fact he thinks that their style of wrestling and what they do is like you know hurts the business and stuff. And then they tried to brag about their this fan like was like yelling at him at a convention trying to brag about their music and all the albums they released. And Cornette gave the best diss on the planet that I've used every time I, I hate a band. 
It's awesome. He mm. goes, he said, their records weren't released. They escaped. Like Nickelback. I'm just saying, it's an ICP fan or not, that's pretty fucking funny. I don't hate, well, the only band I hate is Nickelback. Yes, we know, Zach. Band. We know you hate Nickelback. Okay. I'm not the only fucking yes, one. Ch- yes, uh, yes, but the, most people have, but most of the reasons people hate Nickelback are stupid. You hate Nickelback because Chad Kroger hurt Corey Taylor's Whittle feelings a long time ago, and oh, you no, haven't no. gotten over it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's pretty much what happened. They also suck. But okay, can we move on, please? Yes. Okay. So that was, but I will say this about the song real quick because there's two different. I've heard two different versions of this. There's the there's the chorus part where it says can't live with him can't live without him new kid back on the block with a rip and it says dad got the sag in the back with a drip come and get a sip later here's my question I've heard two different versions of this like on stage it said dad got the sag but when you listen to the music it sounds like he's saying dad got the fag I can't tell is it I mean I'm looking at the lyrics it's saying sag but I can't tell do you did, when, when we play when we during the commercial break did you hear the word sag or fag I wasn't paying attention. <clears throat> really? Yeah, really. I was enjoying the beat, and I didn't. Not to tell you, I, I'm being honest. I didn't hear "sag" or "fag." If it was either or, I was like, okay. I'm trying to think. Like, if they're saying that, are they are they trying to do something? Are they trying to say maybe the dad has a cigarette? Because I don't think Fred Durst, and again, I could be wrong, would be stupid enough to use the word "fag" in a song in 2021 yeah. or 2022. Those days are pretty much over. But it's- in in other countries like England. Fag means cigarette. True. So there's that overlying confusion. Like, you know, he could be in the back with a cigarette. But he but he says, like, because literally in England, that's what they say. They say they'll say stuff like, I'm gonna go out back and have a fag. And you're like, huh, what? <laughs> what? What he just say? And then someone has to tap his shoulder. He's going to smoke a cigarette. Oh, okay, okay. Or okay, like or um, like the family guy joke when that when the when the when the clan when that when the clan became uh an a, a British pub or something. That became a quirky English family and, yeah. and Brian was a horse. And, yeah, and then they're just sitting there annoyed and then um and then uh they're talking about England and Cleveland goes, Well, I know in England fag means cigarette and Peter said, Well, I wish these cigarettes would shut up and leave <laughs> <laughs> Which again, I don't care what you say. That's too fucking funny. <laughs> it's just fucking funny. Okay. I loved it. So, uh, all, right. all right. Well, we've we've annoyed you guys enough with this. That was Dad Vibes by Limp Biscuit here on the Boochcast. So, on that note, we're gonna jump right into uh, AEW here, which is from uh, April twenty seventh, the show that took place last night. And once again, we are this time they're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, the home of pretty much where all the all the other Bucci's live. And um, for commentary again, we have the legendary Tony Schiavone, the Hall of Famer Jim Ross, and the races Excalibur. And we kick things off with our first official match of the evening, an Owen Hart Foundation Tournament qualifying match, and quite possibly the strangest one we've ever seen: Dax Harwood yeah. versus Cash Wheeler. All right, I don't know about this, guys. I was like, I enjoyed it; it was good, but it was also very good. He was just like, okay, you're doing the own heart foundation. Um, why are these two going against each other? It, it was, I don't know. It was a good opening match, but then again, I was not happy with it. Was I disappointed? Maybe, but all in all, at least it wasn't a spot fest, Vinny. I liked it. Um, it was very good wrestling. Now, obviously, what made it weird is the fact that it's FTR fighting each other. That's kind of what made this weird. And the fact that they came out to the ring at the same time. And their names were together. Like, they didn't make us feel like this was a match. It didn't have a big fight feel to it. 
It didn't. I would rather they play the music, have each of them come out one by one, just keep the music playing, give everybody their own individual introduction, have them shake hands and fight. That's what I would have loved yeah, to have I, seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, at the end, end, end of the night, one, two, three, the winner is Dax Hardwood, which, oh, no. I like it. Well, here's what made the match like great. The At first, I didn't like it because I felt like they're doing mat work, but the way they're wrestling, it felt like they were practicing in a performance center. That's how it felt. It felt like rehe- it felt like, hey, let's do some warm-ups at the gym, like, practicing and stuff. That's mm. how it felt. It didn't feel like there were two guys wrestling. And that, and it didn't, that's why it felt weird. What, what the turning point in the match was when Dax accidentally poked Cash in the eye. When he, hit, when he like, got him in the eye and Cash got pissed off and just started beating the shit out of Dax. Once that eye poke happened, the match became a fight. And it was believable, and here's why. Anytime you've hung out with your friends and you play wrestle or play fight or whatever, if one of them hits a very serious move on you or do something that really hurts, your first reaction is like, you know, you're kind of fighting, you're play fighting, and someone accidentally hits you really hard for real, and you're like, you son of a... And then you just start fighting, and you get pissed yeah. off, and you start beating the shit out of each other. But then once it's over, it's over. But instead of you... But you're still friends, but you're still like, dude, why'd you hit me? Because you hit me. It was an accident. I don't give a fuck. Like that kind of thing. Oh God, several times. Yeah, I'm just saying, that's how that felt to me. It felt like that kind of fight, and it ended the perfect way. Dax going for a sharpshooter, but kind of hesitating. Cash catches him with a roll-up. You think it's over, but Dax then rolls him, rolls it, rolls it the other way, so he's got the pin, one, two, three. So it was a good way to end a match with two tag team partners fighting each other. It couldn't have gone a better way. Yep, I agree with you, sir. I do agree with you, sir. That was actually really good. I enjoyed that match. I just didn't like two tag team partners going against each other. But in the business, it happens. So moving on. Yeah. So after the match, FTR embrace and Cash applauds the fact that Dax won. You know, and then they're like kind of embracing the ring apron. Then right after the match, it gets announced officially. It should have been a long time ago, but they chose to do it now. That CM Punk will, in fact, face Hangman Adam Page for the AEW world title at Double or Nothing. Punk grabs a microphone and heads to the ring. Punk said when he came back, when he came back several months ago, the big question would be, could he still do this? Well, at this point in his career, he knows now he can still do this. He likes Adam Page, but up until now, it's all been practiced for this. And he says he says that with no with no disrespect to anybody he's fought except for Eddie Kingston. Uh, he said without the fans, there is no CM Punk. Double or nothing is in Las Vegas, and Punk's never been a gambling man, but he always bets on himself. He said, win, lose, or draw, he'll fight until the wheels come off. All right, this right here was actually really, really fantastic. He basically said, I'm going against Hangman Adam Page, and he's gonna. he says, like, bring it on. And says, basically, he should put a big shout-out to the fans. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be here today, so thank you. Even though he didn't say it, he says, like, I'm not a gambling man. Of course not. You're good to get a little two-shoes, but you're good at good. A good, good to get a little two-shoes. But this right here, epic promo. Yeah, it was a great promo because he puts over Adam Page, and he tries to create the illusion that he may or may not win this match. Because at this point, it's I think it's obvious. I say it's a given that CM Punk is walking out of Vegas with the world heavyweight title. Because Punk is the top guy in the company right now. He deserves to be the world champion. And I've said it before, and I will say it again. As much as I love Hangman Adam Page, the creative team has f- fucked up his push 
so goddamn badly that at this point you might as well take the belt off of him because it's clear you have no plans for him and you don't know what to do with him. They don't know what they're doing. Like, somehow Tony Khan's supposed to be this great, amazing booker, yet when it comes to your world champion, you're as lo- he's as lost as an illegal immigrant at a vote for Trump rally. He ain't got a shitting clue how to book his world champion. It's garbage. So, you might as well take the belt off of him. Like, some people were actually saying, like, oh, Adam Page wasn't on the show this week because he got COVID. Here's the thing. They've done such a shitty job promoting Adam Page and the fact that he's the world champion. All you had to do was just let him stay home. Nobody would have missed him. Because the fans have pretty much given up on Adam Page. They've thrown in the towel and pretty much believe that his uh, title reign is lackluster. They're trying to say that he isn't ready for the big time and all that. It's like, funny, y'all weren't saying that when he was feuding with Kenny Omega. Hell, most of y'all wanted to put the world title on him when he fought Chris Jericho in the first pay-per-view. Y'all were ready to do that. But uh, now all of a sudden you want to say he's not ready? Here's the fucked up part. Mm. He was ready. Was he ready when he fought Chris Jericho? Fuck no. Not even close. Jericho had every right to win that championship. Because you had to start strong with your company. Adam Page was ready to be a champion. And if they treated him with the same respect that a world champion should have. And put him on that pedestal. Instead of worshipping all the other people that you signed. You would have a great champion. But you guys don't know how to promote your champion. You put your TNT champion over your world champion. But still want to say your world title is prestigious. It's fucking retarded. We'll get into more of that later. After this, we cut to a video of Scorpio Sky and Dan Lambert. They talk up Sky's accolades and how great he is. Before Sky notes he was screwed out of his TNT title reign, no shit. Billy is here to see Scorpio Sky fight back and take what is rightfully his. Uh, okay. Good promo. Don't really care. I was like, okay. Once again, we have to see a uh, spot monkey fish on the ladder match later, to, later in the show. I'm like, okay. I really don't care. I just don't. Wow. Great insight. All right, so on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Factory. Uh, this actually was enjoyable. It wasn't, you know, a, uh, it went longer than I thought it was, but the uh, the Factory put up a good fight, actually. They did. They uh, wasn't too many spots, some psychology, but it was a good match. Vinny? Same shit as last week. Same shit, different opponents. That's all I saw. Just, they get in the ring, they fuck people up. William Regal talks on the commentary. I mean, same shit. I mean, I'm not hating it. I just, it was just like, okay, they're they're beating the shit out of random people again. Like, all right, um... It's yeah, they're just they're just building up this faction at this point and trying to establish that they're ass kicking machines. That's and pretty much all again, they're doing. They all come out separate. Yeah, and they all come out separate because because we can't we can't let a faction come out together. We want to preserve everybody's identity, even though we want to be a team. Makes no fucking sense to nobody. It's like you can't be a team and have individuality. Y'all gotta act as a unit. Just come out as a united front. That's what factions do. That's what teams do. Exactly, but they won't do it. They won't. They're not gonna do it because they gotta have they gotta have everybody do their their shtick and drag the show out a long time with these unnecessary entrances. It's like just have everybody come out at once and get to the point and you wouldn't have to play crunch time with your fucking main event like you always do. Because everybody has to, as I mentioned before, get their shit in. But not everybody deserves to get their shit in. It, it's Sometimes it's not necessary. Just work the gimmick of the match, tell your story, do your business, then go to catering. All right, 
On that note, we cut to the four women who have qualified for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. They all confront one another. Ruby Soho talks some trash to Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Uh, Zach, how do you feel about this? I don't care for this promo. It was just a couple of women just assaulting each other. And I think Britt Baker called one of them fat with Ruby Soho showing up. I was like, okay. I was like, uh, I okay, whatever. Well, they you know, basically the only the only thing they said was that Ruby Soho belongs at home in catering, and that wasn't really a fat joke. It was it was insinuating that when you tell somebody like you know your home is catering or you're sitting in catering, it basically means you have nothing to do because nobody's booking you to do anything. That's what that means. So that wasn't them saying like, oh, Ruby Soho is a fat ass because she's eating all the food and catering. It's like, no, she's sitting in catering because she's got nothing on the card. No promos, no matches, no nothing because Ruby's not important. So creative has nothing for her. That's what that means. But technically they don't and they shouldn't because she's been a big disappointment since coming to AEW. Time can only tell how this thing is going to end. So moving on. Yes. So we cut to Tony Schiavone, who's with Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian Cage. Jungle Boy admits he feels like a sore loser. Christian calls him out and says he's just a loser, but that won't happen again. It's a teachable moment. He issues a challenge to any top five tag team. All of a sudden, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, the number three ranked team in AEW, challenge Jurassic Express to a match. This right here was actually a good promo, but Christian basically said, like, dude, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get your head out of your ass. Stop being a tag team champion. Did you get that vibe? Yeah. As soon as he said, you're just a loser, I was waiting for the heel turn. Then as soon as he said, that won't happen again, I went, fuck this. Because I'm waiting for that. Like I said said before, I'm waiting for the heel turn. Yeah, same here. I'm I'm waiting for Christian to say, fuck this shit. Or maybe, and again, Christian, as a tag team specialist, is trying to tell, oh, dude, you lost the match. It's okay. You still have the title. Usa, you're still a champion. He says, you be the loser. Stop thinking you're a loser. <laughs> Come on now. Exactly. And um... I was like, like, I'm happy with the Jurassic Express having the tag team champions, but if, if they need to lead the loose to anybody, it needs to be the Black Liver, whatever, show club yeah here here are the two people that need to take the belts from Jurassic Express you can pick either one it's either Moxley and Daniel Bryan or FTR that's it oh fuck Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs do not need to be the tag team champions hopefully they don't yeah and on that note we move on to the next match of the evening we got Lance Archer with Jake Roberts versus Wardlow um for two big guys it was actually good I Thought it was going to end quickly, but it didn't. I mean, Lord Joe took a beating. He did. But he got choke slammed. He got defensive move from Lance Archer, but he still kicked out. In the end, Wardlow still won, and he walked out there, cuffed up, and gave a definitely fuck you stare to Ed Maxwell. But I thought this match was actually really, really good. thought it was going to suck, but in the end, it was actually a stellar match to me. Vinny? Oh, yeah. It was a um, very good match. Big Hoss fight. That's what this was. Two big guys ready to fight. You know, Archer doing a couple of uh, his spots that he shouldn't be fucking doing, but they still worked in the, in the context of this match. Uh, of course, he nails um, Wardlow has to hit his power bombs, you know, doing his thing, and then hits that one, two, three. Wardlow wins. MJF is pissed off. Speaking of MJF, I loved the promo he cut at the beginning. Yeah. Did you hear? You remember? Did you hear the promo? Yes, I did. Like, hey, Zach. Do you know what women use for birth control in Philadelphia? What? Their personalities. <laughs> I loved that line so fucking much. Oh my god. 
I he's fucking love that. He's gonna get letters. Oh, oh, he is. Yeah, it was like the best fucking line. I was sitting there going, "Oh shit, I'm I'm stealing that. I, I don't give a fuck. I'm stealing that." Hopefully, you don't get sued. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, after that, we move on to. Uh, we have the Jericho Appreciation Society coming out for a sit-down segment. Basically, uh, there'll be no physical altercation between uh, the JAS and uh, Kingston and uh, not LAX. Um, the J- Can you hear me? Yeah, I totally heard that door opening and closing. Sorry, sorry my door's kind of squeaky, but I'm about to sit down. Go ahead. My apologies. All right. We got cold outside. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Do your thing. The JAS are sitting down, and uh, then out comes Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. There's big Eddie chants all over the arena. Jericho says, people pay to see the JAS. Both Ortiz and Santana flip them off, and Garcia instigates the trio to hit them. Eddie gets on the mic. He tosses the chairs and table. He says, he doesn't care if it's five on three. Let's go. Jericho calls them stupid sons of bitches. They're going to take them out one by one. Jericho is taking out a hit on Eddie, Santana, and Ortiz. Jericho tries to instigate Eddie, too. Eddie gets intense. He says, if you put a hit on somebody, you better put them in the ground. And Jericho looked unnerved. This, Yeah, once again, this promo between uh, Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston was fabulous once again. And they were saying, "You, we're going to do this to you, this. And Eddie Kingston like, if you're going to do it, do it, motherfucker. And I thought this promo was absolutely superb. Well, really it, good. well it plays into what Eddie's been trying to say is he hates crap like this with tables and chairs and sit-downs. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make fun of the fact that WWE does these things a lot with contract signings and face-to-face promos, which are effective ways of selling tickets. But AEW is trying to do it in a way that doesn't copy the WWE. So Eddie kind of acknowledges this is all shit. This is all crap. I don't do this sports entertainment stuff. I just want to fight. But here's the problem. If you do too much fighting, you don't leave much for the pay-per-view. That's why the talking is important. It sells the pay-per-view. That's why you got to keep the physicality to a minimum. You do just enough to get the crowd excited, but not enough to where they fucking see everything that you can do. To the point where you have to add a stipulation just to make it different. So moments like these are good, and Jericho's good at it because he has experience in sports entertainment. His time in WWE and being one of their top guys has taught him a lot, and he brings that element to AEW, and the fact that he uses it as a heel is fucking brilliant. Like, Eddie was able to use his verbal intimidation to still get over with the crowd, and Jericho looking nervous. Like, fuck, Eddie's really gonna kill me. That works. That sells tickets. Because when they eventually have that face-to-face confrontation, preferably at Double or Nothing, you're gonna wanna see it, because you're thinking, oh, fuck, Eddie's gonna kill him. And I gotta buy that pay-per-view so I can see Jericho get fucked up and that is how you draw money well hopefully they go your route let's hope then again tony does like to get crazy with his toys but anyway we move on to the next match of the evening we have a philly street fight serena d versus hikaru shida i thought this actually was pretty good it was a typical street fight chairs Throwing the stuff into the eyes, getting the water out of the eyes. But then again, Serena Deep wins, which I think she should have anyways. But I did enjoy this match. It, was good. it got a little ridiculous, but then in the maybe this match was, hopefully I'm saying this right, a filler. Yeah. 
Um, because basically this rivalry, I don't know anybody that really gives a shit about it. Um, Sheeta tapping out definitely ends this fucking thing. Um, I never expected Sheeta to tap out, but I did notice one thing. What? Did you notice that Serena Deeb at one point was sitting in a chair? Yes. In the ring? Yes. Now, Zach. Yes. When Serena Deeb was sitting in the chair, mm-hmm. what direction was she facing? Towards the, towards the camera. Correct. And I suppose she's not supposed to do that. No, 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 no. That's exactly what the fuck you're supposed to do. Hangman Adam Page, while you're sitting at home with the COVID, I hope... In your social distancing, you happened to watch that and took some fucking notes, you dumbass. That's what the fuck you're supposed to do. You play to the hard cam. That's called television wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. That's called understanding that when you wrestle on big time TV, when you move up to the big boy table, or in this case, big girl table, you know, when you, you know, when you finally get, when you finally get the blood from the JJ and you're becoming a woman and you get to this level, you learn that you're not just playing for the fans in attendance. You're playing to the millions watching at home and they have to see everything you're doing just as much as the crowd does because the people at home are the ones that bump your ratings fans the stands aren't bumping your ratings they're just generating money for ticket sales that's all that does now you want to have a big crowd you want a lot of people there so the people on tv can see that big crowd and go oh this company's worth a damn because there's a because they're packing a lot of people it's like wow and how does serena deeb know how to wrestle on tv because she's been on tv ladies and gentlemen she's been to the other company Remember, she was the bald chick in the Straight Edge Society. So she's been to WWE. She learned TV wrestling. She knows the hard cam. Something that a lot of these guys haven't fucking learned, including your world heavyweight champion. Fucking amazing. You got to see Serena Deeb sitting in the chair. You saw the arrogant expression on her face. You saw how she was toying with the baby face. And did it and Zach, did it not make the match more enjoyable? Yes. Thank you. Are you done? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, to, to quote one of my favorite movies, that's all I have to say about that. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next segment here. Uh, and that's, of course, Lexi Nair. Oh, thank God she doesn't get paid by the word. Um, she's with MJF, who yells at her to get off the screen and calls her Lindsay. And he gets on the phone with a big man and says, would you like to make six figures for one match? He says, okay, so he has a challenge for Wardlow next week, and he's bigger than Wardlow, stronger than Wardlow, taller than Wardlow, and you can't teach that. That. It's a bitty bit, uh, and a bitty bitty. That's like, this right here, this is big cash, and you can't teach that. Who else is going to fucking be? Oh, yeah. If if Enzo Amore is like, yeah, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yeah, it's now Big Cass is going to be under a different name. He's now W. Uh, Morrissey, which is a yeah, base. That's what I heard. Yeah, which is based off of his real name because Big Cass was a WWE name. Um, but here's my question: mm. When it obviously Big Cass is going to be on AEW next week, but I'm curious, 
Does Enzo come to the ring as a hype man? I haven't heard shit from him in years. Well, he's he's still around. I want to see, and I want to see them. Uh, they come out together. That's gonna fucking like make me hopefully I don't go ape shit. But that'd be pretty cool. I remember when they debuted. Oh, like, oh my god! <laughs> and he still wrestles as Enzo, but he does Enzo, which is uh legal. So he can't say Amore, but he can say My name is Enzo, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud. And you can't teach that. And this right here, this is W. Morrissey, and he's seven foot tall. And you can't teach that. And then you can still do Bada Boom, realest guys in the room. How you doing? Dude, this is going to be if Enzo comes out. Out with him and is the hype man walking to the ring the promo he would cut on wardlow alone would be fucking fire because you know they're going to be heels for the night they're going to be the heels because they're working with mjf now hopefully enzo got his shit together oh he does he's always had his shit together all right all right all right so all right then moving on i'm just saying it'd be great so i'm looking forward to that so then we move on. We got Fuego Del Sol laid out on stage. Malachi Black's about to unmask him, but Alex uh, Abrahantes interrupts him and reveals that both Penta and Pac are reunited, but not just that. Ray Phoenix has returned. He appears behind the House of Black and takes the Buddy Matthews, and the Death Triangle just takes them all out. I'm, I know you're not a big fan of the House of Black right now, but this right here was actually really fucking good. What do you think? The fact that Ray Phoenix came back was the only th- reason this was watchable. I thought up until that point, all this looked fucking stupid. Well, I like the House of Black. I just want to see. Yeah, you, you, I know. You like the House of Black. I could give two squirts of piss about this group. And they're future tag team champions. And they're about to they're about to unmask Fuego del Sol, like I give a fuck. And then you got Alex Abrahantes in the ring. He's cutting a promo. He's got a hoodie on. I knew something was fucked up. I really did. I knew something was up. So then um Penta comes out, you know, Pentagon Dark, and I'm like, okay, cool. Then there's Pac, and I'm like, okay, he's back, but I've seen Pac before, so I wasn't that impressed. Then I saw uh, Abrahantes come out and found out he was in the back. He wasn't the hooded guy in the ring. And then it was Ray Phoenix, and you're like, oh shit, he's back. And then they take out the whole House of Black. Um, the only thing I didn't like was the two jumping moves that Phoenix did in the corner. Hmm. Like at one point, I think he either he either dropped him or he hit him into the and he hit him knocked him into the turnbuckle. That was all he needed to do. <coughs> you okay? Okay. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm just, I mean, I'm waiting for the House of Black to do something. I don't give a shit what they say. They just got that dark, mysterious, wonderful feel, and you know how I am. I'm solo, so I'm allowed to go this route. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. So then All after right. this, we cut to uh, Rampage. We cut to a backstage interview with Swerve Strickland, Darby Allen, who are both in the Owen Hart Foundation qualifier match. They both say this is their house and blah blah blah. And Darby's like, "This is my tournament." Uh, t- I didn't give a shit about this. Zach, did you? Okay, I have one thing to say. Whose house is this? Swerve's house, whatever. Swerve's house. There we go. Okay, dokie. Move it on. All right. At that point, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Um, we got the Undisputed Elite versus Dante Martin, Brock Anderson, Lee Johnson, and the Varsity Blondes. Um, boo. <laughs> 
this is absolutely fucking crap. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh my god, this is horrible. Here we go again. And here, every time, except for uh, Adam Cole and Red Dragon, this is what I heard when every time the Young Bucks come out. Not their music. It was just a fucking circus act. It was boing, 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 boing. Then it go ahead. This is a complete waste of fucking time. Uh, how long was it? Too fucking long. Too yeah, fucking so long it. for TV. Why was it too long for TV? Because hmm. the main event <sighs> that was coming up is a fucking ladder match. Now, before we even talk about that, I'm just going to say this one thing right now. Regardless of who's in it, everybody knows that ladder matches tend to be one of the longest fucking matches in wrestling. We know this. It doesn't matter who it is. Whether it's two random guys like Sammy and Scorpio, or even big names like The Rock and Triple H. Doesn't matter. A ladder match is a long fucking match. If, especially in order to be done properly, requires lots of time and prep and work. So when you're damn near at the end of this fucking show... And you have a team, especially the dumb fucks, who don't understand the concept of time, that don't care about the concept of time, because they don't care about the business. They just want to do their shit and get all their shit in. It's not good for business. Because now the leader... Because one of two things has to happen. Either the ladder match has to go short, or you got to get extra time from TNT or TBS. In this case, TBS. Because your ladder match is not going to have a lot of time left on it. You're going to be going into overtime on the show, which you don't want to fucking do. Because guess what? Mm. AEW is not the heart and soul of TBS. I'm sorry to disappoint the marks out there. But guess what? AEW or no AEW, TBS going to do just fine. AEW needs TBS more than TBS needs AEW. Best believe, if you don't believe nothing else in life. Well, can I say something? Go ahead. If AEW doesn't do it right, they can always go to Spike TV. That's the point. But my point is this, is that you want to be professional and get shit done on time. Especially when after this, you're going to be taping Rampage right after. That's what they do. As soon as Dynamite goes off the air, all the matches they advertise for Rampage on Friday just get taped. They tape all of them. They tape every fucking thing. They tape it, and then on Friday it airs. So they're going to be doing some editing and all that stuff, and then it's going to fucking air. So you basically fuck yourself every time when you got everybody going out there and you're doing long-ass matches and everybody's trying to do their shit. You need everybody on TV has to stick to their time and understand that you have a main event that you are building your show around. Because that's the match that everybody wants to see. That's why it's called the main event. It's the main part of your motherfucking show. Is that, is that, why is it a concept that is hard for people to understand? I don't know. If it's not the main event, it doesn't matter. Apparently it doesn't. That's, the main event is like the most important thing to you. That's what you build everything around. Okay? It's like being a parent and the main event is your child. Everything you do builds around taking care of your child. Whether it's going to work, taking them to school, buying them clothes and food, feeding them, changing them if they're babies. All that shit builds around the main event, which is the child. That's what you got to do. Now, obviously, there's other important things you have in your life, like your your, your wife, 
your friends, other family members that might live in the house with you. But guess what? Every one of them is there in support of the main event, which is the child. If the child needs this amount of time to take care of, guess what? What? Other people's times are getting cut. Sorry, Zach. I can't watch a two-hour wrestling show with you. I got to take my son to baseball practice. Guess what? Exactly. We'll sit down and we'll watch wrestling at another time. Like when my son goes to a friend's house. Guess what? Oh, I suddenly have time to sit and watch wrestling with Zach. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, why? There's no kid in the house. (laughs) So we can have the hookers and the beer and the pot and all that. We just got to make sure when I go to pick my kid up the next day, you and all that shit is out of my house. Like, oh, wait a minute. My kid's going to be home in an hour. Okay, Zach, whores, pot. Y'all got to go out that fucking door. Okay. Oh, oh, wait. Zach doesn't have a car. Okay, here's the, new, here's the Uber. All y'all get in that fucking car. Be the clown. Okay, y'all are the clowns. Y'all are going to fit in one car. There's the clown car. All y'all cram yourselves into it. Am I making my point here? Yes, you're making your point. Can we move on, please? Yes. All right. So anyway, boring as shit. Didn't fucking matter. All right. We see that the JAS has taken out Santana and Ortiz, and they throw a fireball in the face of Kingston. Why? There was a hit on them. Why? Okay. 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 I'm going to... Based on what Zach just said, I'm going to make this clear. See... I think Jericho, and I never thought I'd say this about a veteran like Jericho, but if he wants to put a head out on somebody, try NXT and take notes from Tony D. Because Jericho obviously doesn't hang out with a lot of Italians. So as an Italian, and I'm going to quote one of my favorite wrestlers, as an Italian, let me talk to you. When you put a head out on somebody, you don't fucking do it yourself. You hire somebody to fucking do it for you. Or if you put out a hit so other people do it, try to get some kind of reward. Hey, here's $50,000. Whoever takes out Eddie Kingston gets the 50 grand. There's a bounty. There's a hit. When you put a hit out on somebody, you hire somebody else. Because, hey, I don't want to get my hands dirty. So I hire somebody else to fucking do it. That's putting out a hit. There's nothing is, is, is AEW just not allowed to make sense? See, this is why people like me have a hard time watching AEW. Because I have this need and this obsessive desire to make sense. For some reason, Tony Khan doesn't let a little thing like sense fuck up the format of his show. Yeah, I'm not going to use logic and common sense to book my wrestling. I'm just going to use imagination. And then wonder why and then wonder why the legends think I'm a blithering idiot. I don't know. What'd you think of this? Um there was a hit on him. Evidently he probably was probably uh Chris Jericho's faction or somebody else. So we'll see where this goes. Because my tooth's hurting. I got a headache. Are you would you please calm the fuck down? So okay. Moving on. And I'm about to get yelled. Go ahead. All right, so on that note, we got the main event of the evening. We got ourselves a ladder match for the TNT Championship. Sammy Guevara defends the title against Scorpio Sky. Um, no, no. This was horrible. I did not enjoy this one bit. I knew this was exactly what was going to be a spot fucking fest. Vinny, was it a spot fest? Yes, 
Although I will say there was a moment where I almost shut the whole fucking thing off. But then something happened to make me keep watching. Which is what? There was a moment where Scorpio Sky is reaching for the belt. Sammy G has another ladder that he is trying to set up. And you know he's setting it up so he can do some dumbass spot shit that makes no fucking sense other than the ooh and ah to do. And Scorpio knows this spot is coming. And if you're an analyst like myself and you're an observant, you know that Scorpio knows the spot is coming. So what does he do? He picks, he, he takes his hand and flails it at the title like he's a cat playing with a ball of yarn. Did you happen to see this? I did not. He's kind of pawing at the belt like, oh, I'm reaching even though Sammy's way on the other side of the ring and I could grab this belt by the time he real by the time Sammy realizes that setting up this ladder is fucking retarded. By the time Sammy learns how to set up a ladder like a big boy, I could climb up this ladder and grab this fucking belt. But I but I can't but why can't I just climb up this ladder like a normal person with common sense and grab this belt? Oh, cause we gotta do oh, cause we gotta do the spot. I forgot. So I'm just gonna paw at this like a little kitty cat. Meow, meow. Just pawing <laughs> at the fucking belt, you know, like a cat playing with a ball of yarn. And I have to keep pawing at it because Sammy, because Sammy does again doesn't know how to set up a ladder. So finally, Sammy sets the ladder up. Took you long enough, and he jumps at the ladder. And all I'm thinking is, in this moment, if Sammy hits a cutter, I'm shutting this fucking thing off. Do you know what made me not shut it off? He didn't hit the cutter. Better. When Sammy jumped off the ladder, Scorpio reversed it into a cutter of his own and took him down. Because here's why I love this. Because instead of Scorpio looking like a dumbass kitty cat, meow, playing with the yarn, you know what it makes Scorpio look like? What? He looks like a veteran luring Sammy, the Spanish spot monkey, into a false sense of security. It's like, okay, I'm a toy with this belt. And I know Sammy's going to do his stupid little jumping shit because he can't help it. He needs that. He needs to do that stupid shit to get the marks all fucking excited. But I don't give a shit about the marks. I want this fucking belt. So I'm just going to keep pawing at this belt. I'm going to pretend I can't reach this belt. And then when he jumps, I'm going to grab his smug fucking head and drive it into the fucking mat. And that's what the fuck he did. Brilliant. It showed just when you thought you were seeing fake wrestling, you were seeing Scorpio using psychology. Say it with me, Zach. Psychology. Psychology. Fucking brilliant. Love that spot. Then, but then, we see a ladder covered in barbed fucking wire. Why? Because. That's the answer. Why? Because. (laughs) That's the answer. There's no other reason for a ladder and barbed wire. I was like, like, okay, um, say you first use a ladder to climb up the ladder. How are you going to climb up the ladder if that's the old ladder that you have that is wrapped with barbed wire? Hmm. And then, and then at some point after Sammy hits a Spanish fly onto the barbed wire, Guevara's gonna grab a hold of Dan Lambert, and basically Lambert's gonna yell at him, "Get off me!" and everything else. So Lambert, we're gonna have Guevara grab you and do all those stuff. Then you're gonna turn around, and Ty Conley's gonna kick you in the balls. Why? It's dehumanizing. Okay. <laughs> That's what other fucking reason was that? I don't know. Fucking retarded. Did somebody not look at this thing go, why the fuck am I doing this spot? I'm sorry. I'm fucking dumb as hell. So then Paige Van Zant comes out and attacks Ty Conti. Now we gotta see them fighting. Then we see this. (coughs) 
preview of this intergender match, of this mixed tag match going to happen down the road. And they're fucking fighting, fighting, fighting. Then Sammy grabs the barbed wire ladder. Sky nails a leaping flatliner to Sammy. The two find themselves on the ladder. Ty jumps on Sky. Sammy get, jumps on Paige. And they're basically climbing up this ladder with these two women holding on. And you can tell they're basically choking them to death. Because they're trying to fight each other, but their hands are clearly wrapped around their necks. I'm surprised, they, I'm surprised their faces didn't turn blue. As these two women are trying to fight, basically they're playing chicken on top of a fucking ladder. It was absolutely just was at, at that point I was ready to shut it off. I was like, God, I'm like, this is getting dumb. Camera. Then the girls eventually <laughs> fall off, and then Sky sends Sammy back first into the barbed wire ladder, and then Sky goes to grab the belt. Sammy Guevara then jumps back onto the ladder, and I'm thinking this is gonna fucking suck. And then Scorpio knocks him off the ladder and grabs the belt for the win. Now, two things I'm going to say here. Number one, mm. fucking happy that Scorpio Sky's got the belt now. He fucking deserved it. Never should have lost it in the first fucking place. And I honestly believe the only reason he did was because they wanted to acknowledge Sammy as a three-time TNT champion since the other three-time TNT champion is currently in WWE. That's the only reason. Because Scorpio Sky deserves this belt. More than Sammy, who in the ring, out of the ring, is a piece of shit. Which is why he has go-away heat. If you can't understand that, you're a fucking moron. But here's my complaint. If Scorpio was going to win, why not end it with Sammy hitting the barbed wire ladder? That does more damage. That's a better finish. He falls into the barbed wire ladder because it's barbed wire. He's stuck the barbed wire is in his skin he can't break out and you see Sammy trying to struggle to break out of this barbed wire to get the barbed wire off of him and while he's like writhing in pain trying to get the barbed wire off of him Scorpio grabs the fucking belt that's a 10 times better finish than Sammy just jumping on the ladder Scorpio knocking him down Sammy go boom he grabbed the belt it's like know when to finish a match this is what I hate about false finishes by the time you get to the finish it's anticlimactic because you had a thousand other ways you could have ended the match and it would have worked. It's like it's it's like when a comedian tells a really funny joke at towards the end of their special, then they do a small little joke that's not as funny and then go, thank you very much. You've been a great audience. It's like, dude, your other joke could have ended it better. Like, the fuck? Fucking, okay. that was dumb. Anyway, you got any final thoughts? This card wasn't that good. It could have been a lot better without the main, the last two matches, especially the main event. But I am happy that Scorpio Sky won. Otherwise, than that, I thought this could be a whole lot better. Yeah, some of this was good. Some of it was like, ah. But at least I I also like the fact that um, after the match, Kazarian came out and Scorpio shook hands with him and all that and basically made it clear that Frankie Kazarian will be getting the next shot at the TNT Championship. The question is... Will he get it on an episode of Dynamite? Or will they make it to Double or Nothing? Double or, or Nothing is what they need to do. Or are they going to save Double or Nothing for that mixed tag match that mm. is part of the stipulation where we're going to see Scorpio Sky and Paige Van Zandt against Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti? That's what needs to be a television match. I'm going to take a piss break and smoke, and I'd rather see Scorpio Sky, Karzani, whatever you say his name. Frankie Kazarian. Uh, Frankie Karzani. Yeah, I've been drinking. My tooth hurts. Leave me alone at double or nothing. Yeah. Well, why isn't that? It could have been better. Yes. Go uh, ahead. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this episode of um, AEW Dynamite. And this will also wrap up this episode of the Boochcast. So, um, Zach, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. I'll, uh, I'll be joining you.
So uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify, Breaker, Breaker, Google Podcast, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. You can check out my recent uh, karaoke video where I sang Ain't No Doubt by Jimmy Nail. Check it out. Also, you can go to uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out all of our great YouTube content. And, of course, uh, hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when new content will be dropping. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash theboochcast. Uh, we have live wrestling watch parties. Our next one will be Saturday, July the 30th for WWE SummerSlam. Uh, like I said, either I'll be doing it with Buff live in Tampa or there will be a one featuring the team. Provided they can get their shit together and figure everything out. Also, we got um, our live D&D show coming later this year. I know Elvis has been asking me about it when we're going to do it. Uh, he basically is not holding his breath for it, but I assure you it will be happening. I just got to get a hold of John. We got to figure some shit out. Uh, also, we got the Boochcast booking battle that'll be coming up later this year uh, between myself and Elvis Delinsky, where he'll be putting a roster together. I'll be putting a roster together. Um, we'll be using the MyGM mode. We'll be putting them out there on the Twitch channel, and uh, we're going to find out who's the better booker man, Vinny Bucci or Elvis Delinsky. You better win, Vinny, because if you don't, I'm going to give you hell. Yeah, I'm sure you will. And also, mm. make sure you guys uh, support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We got three levels you can donate at with prizes coming soon. First level you can donate at is for 99 cents per month. This is a level for people who... Uh, Want to donate money, but don't have a lot of money to spend. Because uh, the last thing we would ask you guys to do is sacrifice the payment or break the bank or, you know, pressure you guys into doing anything. You got bills to pay, mouths to feed, all that stuff. So as long as you can just listen to the show and share the link with people you know, you're helping us out and doing a great deal. But if you still want to put a little skin in the game, the 99 cents level is for you. Why is that? Because 99 cents, you're not going to miss it, but it'll help us out a great deal. Because every little bit helps us keep the show thriving. Also, second level you can donate at is for $4.99 per month. Same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold to the Peacock, you got to where to put that $9.99. Stay that $9.99. Bring it over here. We got better content than Network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You got to pay with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise from the show goes back into the show in some capacity. We use that money to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. If you got a favorite co-host, you believe they're going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done, we dress the money to feed this guy here ramen noodles and try. I tell you, man, we're trying, but it's just not getting it done, man. We are really, really trying here. Maybe we no, need. I think if we need. I think if we. Need, I think if we have more money, we'd be able to be successful in trying to get him laid. 
And until next oh, how time, about the fact you get better taste. What are you talking about? You're the one that needs to get laid, not me. Um, until yeah. next, until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, aka the Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, pizza baby. baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>